Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another episode of The DL. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Robertson, the CEO and founder of Diesel Laptops. And I can tell you now, we're sitting here recording this in, in late July. It's autumn starting to happen. The world's been changing. The vaccine's out. People are getting back out there again. And one of the things that really stopped with COVID was a lot of the expos. I was actually at an expo when everything started locking down. So it's been a, a long road and expos are starting back up again. So we thought it'd be great to get someone on the air who not only had to deal with it, but deal with everything that happened during it. And now as we transition back into it, so with that, I'm invited, I've invited John with AEM on the episode. So John, it's great to have you here. And I really look forward to talking about everything going on with, with Expos and what your organization does. Thanks for having me, Tyler. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So let's just set the baseline for everybody. Who, who is AEM and, and how long have you guys been around for? AEM is the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Been around for a little over 150 years. So there's a, a long storied history there of representing manufacturers in all off-road industries. Um, AEM was formed kind of bringing together the ag equipment manufacturers and the construction equipment manufacturers. And now we represent ag, um, construction, mining, you know, forestry and utility lines. And basically anybody who's involved in manufacturing of those products or services or that industry. So your organization, how many how many members do you, do you guys actually have at the end of the day? There's about a thousand members uh, from all the various sectors that are part of AEM. And again, it's everything from the manufacturers to software companies that um, help provide the service that goes into those pieces of equipment. Yeah. And AEM, so what do you actually do for your members? And I get it. You got a thousand plus manufacturers. Like what, what do you actually do to help those members? And, and what's kind of like the, the core reason for being at, at AEM and why does the, why do members join if you can get into that a little bit for us? Sure, there's a number of uh, reasons that members are part of AEM. Everything from the advocacy support that we provide to tech and safety programming uh, to help keep those machines safe and make sure that they're following the specifications and, and, and um, standards that are acceptable by the industry. Um, another big part is statistics. You know, our, our members rely on us to learn more data about the marketing situation in their industry. And then there's at the uh, the trade shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that was the big thing, right? Like I know at Diesel Laptops, we were doing 50 trade shows a year. And um, that was a big part of our business. Like I started there. I was at Con Ag uh, when Con Expo, when, when this whole thing happened and they cut that show short uh, a day. And everyone at home in the world, the world changed. It's seemingly overnight. So I can imagine, you know, when you're in an association, maybe a lot of people don't understand this, but, you know, as associations, expos are a big part of what you guys do, right? That's a big thing to get your members' names out there and, and, and do all those things. So I can imagine you had a bunch of things planned. You, you, things are rolling and going. What, what happened? Like, what happened in March? Like, how did it start affecting you guys? Can you kind of go through a little bit of, of what that was like? The customer connections is really a huge part of what we do. And, and we do that through trade shows, helping our members get connected with those that are the buyers of the products and services. Um, you know, we manage, we own uh, ConExpo, ConAg. So that was, uh, we were right in the thick of it on the early end of this thing. And, you know, you were there, I was there, there was 100,000 other folks there and watching the news every day about how this uh, new COVID was starting to come in. and. 
it changed the way we did things out there, obviously. You know, it was a, a show with no handshakes, which was a, a strange thing for all of us, certainly. And then the world shut down. You know, we pretty much shut the lights off in Vegas on the way out in March. And there hasn't been much for large trade shows since. Um, we're fortunate at AEM that Con Expo Con Ag is every three years and Utility Expo, uh, formerly IQ, is every two years. So we didn't miss either of those major events. You know, we're, we're back at it. We're planning for a, a, a bigger and better Utility Expo this year. Uh, and what it's done and what we've, what we've heard from our members and attendees so far is that they're really looking forward to getting back out and seeing each other and seeing equipment again. So I know I've dealt with a couple other in the more in the trucking industry with expos and I, I've ran across a couple people that were kind of putting those things together um, and they kind of got caught up in, hey, they had contracts with hotels and arenas and that type of thing. Um, were a lot of those companies in your, in, from your experience, were they, did they end up being kind of flexible through the whole thing or, did, you know, some of these, this other one I'm talking to, they were a smaller outfit and they were, they were putting a really hard spot. And even on one of the bigger ones, they were putting a hard spot where, you know, what I'd heard was, you know, either we, we canceled the entire thing and don't do anything virtually or anything, or we just do this virtual thing and don't lose as much money as, as, as we would just canceling it. So was it similar situation in your regards? And did, did that kind of change contracts going forward now as well as you guys are signing up for, for new events? The whole COVID thing was was absolutely devastating for the events industry and for the, the hospitality industry. All those uh, convention centers and hotels and restaurants that, that rely on that flow of people. And it really did uh, change the way we think about what we do. You know, it was unheard of previously that a show would just not happen. That that wasn't that wasn't really a possibility, unless the show went out of business, and it, it just it it wasn't something that we could uh, conceive of, and and all of a sudden it became the norm as shows ended up canceling or postponing initially, and on the early stages it was the it was the push to well we can't we can't have it next month this thing's only going to take a couple of weeks right then this COVID thing's going to be over, so we'll try and reschedule for later in 2020. Those came and went. Shows transferred to uh, tried to transition to uh, digital or online, which worked great for some educational events. But boy, if you were a trade show and you relied on having people come and see heavy equipment or see and touch and feel and operate things, virtual really didn't cut it. Yeah, and it ended up being for a lot of for a lot of shows. Uh, it was a it was a bit of a crutch to to get them through, and. It's really showed a lot of folks, I think, what the true value of live events is, and that's getting together and seeing people and and being able to experience the event. So did AEM switch to try and doing some virtual, did you guys experiment at all with the virtual stuff or had you done virtual stuff already before? Or where, where did you guys go on that whole angle? Well, we do a lot of smaller meetings. You know, it, it didn't, uh, it impacted our World of Asphalt show uh, that was the only one that ended up being canceled and, and not happening in 2020 um, <coughs> or 2021. Sorry, excuse me. Um, we did a lot. We have a lot of meetings. We have a lot of meetings, a lot of events, a lot of smaller uh, conferences that we put on. And all of those did end up going digital for uh, the last 18 months. And it was a struggle. You know, digital is is different. I think we all learned a lot about how to do it and that we can have 
some of those educational interactions online and it, it can work. Yeah, and I can tell you, I mean, from my side, I think I'm kind of tired of Zoom meetings now and I'm just ready to go do face to face and have people visit and travel and, and all that. It's It's been tough. But, you know, kind of on that note, you have a you have a big show coming up here, right? So you want to talk a little bit about the show that's coming up here soon? And it, it's kind of putting a stake in the ground, I think, a little bit for uh, events and coming back. Yeah, uh, Utility Expo is about 60 days away from right now as we tape this. Uh, it's the last week of September, the 28th through the 30th, down in Louisville, Kentucky. The show uh, had been known as IQ for a whole bunch of year, years. IQ or IQE or ICUEE or however people referred to it. Uh, it had a long and storied history, but it had a branding problem and a name problem because nobody knew how the heck to pronounce it. Uh, so, <laughs> so we made it simple and went with uh, the Utility Expo, which which really tells exactly what it is. It's the the show for anyone in the utility industry. Yeah, and you were saying before this, this is this is not a this is not a small show. So, can you give everyone a little idea of the scale of this of this particular show? And um, the, the question that you know people always ask is like, well, how how long does it take to actually walk these things and actually and actually visit the whole thing? So, if you can talk about the scale a little bit, I, I think it'd set the stage for everyone. It, it'll take a while. It'll take a while. Um, Con Expo, Con Ag, as a reference, is about two and a two point five six seven million square feet, give or take. Um, this one is about one point four million square feet, so it's quite a bit smaller than Con Expo, Con Ag, but it's uh, the second biggest show out there. Um, so it's about thirty acres worth of. If you took all the exhibits and smashed them together, took out the aisles, you'd end up with about thirty acres solid of utility product. Everything from excavators and and trenchers on down to tech products, computers, software, uh, safety gear, and safety clothing. Hey, I, I know diesel laptops is going to be there, so we're we're excited to get back. Um, so, how many? What's it look like? Right, that's a big question everyone has: is our vendors going to go back to shows? We got the the Delta variant going around now. Let's get all the headlines, um, and will visitors show up? So can you give any indication of what you're seeing from your side of it? Yeah, the uh, the square footage, the space that exhibitors have taken this year is is up pretty substantially. Um, so this is a, a record over last year's record uh, square footage. So we'll have about 900 companies exhibiting this year. And a lot of those companies, when they came back to us, wanted bigger spaces. Um, some of that was facilitated by uh, some changes that we did to the layout. We had been landlocked at the outdoor spaces in the past, and we expanded the outdoor area to give companies a little more room to grow, a little more room to bring in product or demo the product. Uh, so the square footage is up quite a bit. There's going to be a lot more to see than do at the show. On the attendee side, uh, it's also trending very good right now. We are about 20% over the pace of registration that we saw for the 2019 show and 19 was by far the biggest edition. Yeah, no, that's just great to hear people are getting back and, and wanting to get out there and, and do all those things. I know our team's excited here as well. Um, and I, I can say, I, you know, I don't think a lot of people that haven't been to these shows understand or appreciate the, the scale of what some of these companies do. I mean, literally, um, and I don't know how the utility expo is. I, I can imagine it's very similar to Conig where, I mean, they're bringing a big equipment. 
Um, I remember one of your one of your vendors last year. I mean, I think they built like a whole like sand pit, an arena inside at Con Expo, and look at a play by play announcers calling out as the equipment was going out there, moving dirt and doing different stuff. Is it similar type stuff that goes on at at this show? I know it's more utility based, so it's a little bit different. But is it? They, is there some big boots out there? There's some very big booths out here. In fact, um, we've got one company alone, a uh, Altec has uh, over 100,000 square feet of space for themselves. That's a, a big space. We also have uh, one of the unique things about the show, one of probably the most unique is that we do have active digging demos right at the show. So we've got a substantial lot where you can dig excavators and you know get them in the dirt. It's one of the fantastic things about uh, working with that facility in Louisville that we're able to do it. They've got the dirt. It's a it's a huge benefit to us and to our attendees. You know, you're not just looking at a, a pretty piece of shiny equipment. You're actually able to get out there and compare. You know, how are the how are the new systems, the new tracking systems, and response times on excavators? Uh, you can compare them. Go from one to the next one, right down down the line. Yeah, no, that's cool. I've never seen an actual like digging pit essentially where they can go play with those things. That's gonna be very cool. I'm excited. I'm excited to see that there. Um, so these are these are very big shows, like as you as you've articulated here. You know, what's it actually take to put on one of these shows? Like how how long do you guys plan for this thing? I can imagine it's you know it's it's a couple day event, but you guys must be planning for for quite a while. And how long does it take? And what kind of team does it take to put something together like this? It takes a fantastic team, and we are fortunate to have an amazing team working on our shows. Uh, the process starts, you know, we're already working on the 2023 Utility Expo. And it's it's a full two and a half, three years to get ramped up there. Con Expo, Con Ag is the same way. You know, you're we're working on one before the, the next one before it happens, because it does have a lot of long-term planning. Um, there's a lot involved. There's a lot of moving pieces. Everything from, from the marketing and making sure that the you know the hotel block is in place, and registration is functioning, and uh, all of the logistics. It's just an incredible amount of logistics to move in that many people and make sure that all the exhibitors are in the right spot, have the right amount of space. It, it's a, it's quite an undertaking. So I know we've talked about. Con, the, the Con Egg Expo. We've talked about the Utility Expo. You mentioned another one. How many how many expos do you guys do you guys do? And are they all like on this two or three year cycle, or are there annual ones you do as well? And how does that look? We have we have Con Expo Con Egg. That's every three years, and the next one for that will be in March of twenty three. Utility Expo is every two years. That's always in September or October, late late September, early October, um, on. Uh, on the odd years. And then there's World of Asphalt, which happens on the two years when there's not a Con Expo Con Ag. So that's a two on, one off cycle um, in about the same time frame as uh, Con Expo Con Ag in March. Um, we also partner with uh, an, an Ag show, Commodity Classic. And that's every year that one moves around. And we've uh, got some involvement in some international events as well that we that we um, partner on. Yeah. So 
you guys are staying busy over there. It, it sounds like, right? Um, and you know, we do a virtual show every year, uh, an, a virtual virtual expo on truck repair. And I can, you know, just from my side and for the listeners, I mean, it, yeah, it's two days, but they don't see the. You know, in our case, it's only months of planning. You guys are doing it years in advance and have thousands of physical vendors showing up. And um, like you said, the logistics must just be immense trying to get all the equipment in and out in a short period of time, and and all the things that have to happen there. So you know, you guys are doing these shows. Um, you obviously, as your organization deals with manufacturers, are there some real hot buttons or some, uh, what, what challenge do they have? And I, you know, we hear things on the manufacturing side, at least on the truck side a lot with chip shortages and raw material shortages and people can't build equipment fast enough, or are you guys seeing similar things or are they have other challenges that you're seeing in that world? The biggest issue for a long time has been labor in manufacturing, and that's gotten a whole lot worse over the COVID, uh, period. As you can imagine, it's everyone's feeling it in every sector. Uh, chip shortage, you betcha that uh, COVID has really impacted supply chain in a big way and has changed the way that a lot of companies have to uh, think about how they get their their parts and supplies. Uh, that one is that one's a big challenge. It's going to continue into the future. Yeah, and you know the other question we get asked a lot about is electrification. So we have that happening in our truck world. Obviously, Tesla just this week announced, hey, we're pushing the truck orders out. They can't get batteries. They got that whole thing going on. But you get the Nikola's out there and all these startup companies coming out of nowhere. I haven't been following as much in the in the equipment world, but are you, are you starting to see electrification and or new startup companies in, in your industry niches as well? Or is it not quite there yet? It is. It is coming along and it's coming rapidly. You know, it was not that long ago that um, you could scratch your head and say, hey, we need to start thinking about having some type of a uh, electrification element to the show down the line. You know, it's, this is going to come. This is going to happen. And it's happened so fast that the major manufacturers are, are already doing it. They're bringing it. It's integrated into their booths. Um, we'll have several electric excavators at the show this year and a few other electric pieces if, uh, if all goes well. There's some that are out there in the market. I know that some of our truck manufacturers are going to be bringing uh, electric vehicles and hybrid vehicles that they've been, that they either have on the market or are testing currently in the market. Um, it, it's coming. It, it's a matter of, of how fast the market will accept it and demand it. So the other question we get asked a lot is about driverless trucks. And, you know, all the headlines you see are, you know, automobiles and what Tesla's doing. You see it on the on the truck side, all kinds of autonomous company. A couple just went public and they're doing autonomous, you know, driving for traditional OEMs essentially with Too Simple and some of those companies. Um, and, you know, I remember seeing videos a couple of years ago on people having Bobcats, you know, excavating basements, you know, automatically, right? They were just programmed to do it and move dirt. Are, are you guys seeing more and more of that as well? Is, it, is that technology also starting to make trends in the whole off-highway equipment, uh, utility worlds, or what do you see on that regard? Well, we saw it first in, in the agriculture side. You know, you've had autonomous tractors and semi-autonomous um, equipment for some time, or operator assist um, in ag on tractors. Um, the assist in combines has been incredible leap forward in technology. It's starting to make its way into uh, construction side. Certainly, there's a there's a number of good reasons and, and conditions where 
driverless or operator operatorless is is a, a good move, smart move. Uh, the on road that's a that's a trickier one. Like you said, you know, there's the you've got you've got the consumer angle, and then you've got the commercial side. And when you're sharing the same roads, there's there's some different issues at play than there would be out on the job site. Yeah, and you know, I, I totally forgot how, you know, I, I, we sell agricultural tools and, and do a little bit in that business. It's not our core business. We, we wanna get more in there. Um, but I, I totally forgot, you're absolutely right. Tractors are already there, right? Like it's been there for a while and it, it's actually easier, right? Cause it's a big field. There's not not other tractors or obstacles to hit. It's just much easier to, to do it. And I remember seeing some of the, some videos where um, more on the, the timber side of it, where the, the equipment's out there in the forestry, and it's like 3D mapping the ground as they're all moving around and they're all talking to each other. And it just, it, it's just amazing that we have, you know, drones, we got equipment that's got AI in it. It's just, it's a crazy world that we're living in. And it seems like the, the thing you hit on earlier, it seems like the whole process and speed is just, it's like a flywheel. It's getting faster and faster and faster. So I, I, you know, I, I don't know how you guys handle it on the expo side, but I can only imagine it's going to be a more popular topic as, as time keeps going on with all this new stuff. Yeah. And the great thing is, uh, Tyler, is that I really don't need to stay up on all of the, the advances, you know, as the, as the show director, I, I rely heavily on our manufacturers to, to bring the information. They're the ones that are developing the products. They're the ones that are doing the real work on it. Um, we just need to try and keep up with them. And it's it, like you said, it's tough, you know, uh, in ag, it was easier when you had, uh, it was easier to bring in auto autonomous equipment because you've got the same fields that you're working every year. So once you plot them out, you know, you can, uh, you can plot it once and you're good to go. Um, job site plotting is a very, is very different to look for autonomous. And then, like you said, <laughs> playing with other cars out on the, on the highway is a totally different ball game. Well, going back to the expo side, I mean, what, what challenges do you guys have now? Is it, is it a thought now? Like, Hey, maybe we should have a plan B if another pandemic hits or are, are those things that you have to start thinking through now? Or is it kind of like, well, it's a once in a generation thing. Let, let's deal with it. How, how is it? How has it changed the way you guys go forward and, and start thinking about things and strategizing? It's definitely changed the way we do things as far as as far as planning. Holy cow, contingency, Tyler. We have had to have contingency on contingency. Uh, anybody who's dealing with an event, you know, the 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 rules keep changing, and the the processes are changing. You had mentioned earlier the difference between contracting with facilities and and challenges with that that have come along with with uh, the shifting sands of, of what we've had to deal with in in events here the last 18 months. Um, we've got a lot of contingencies. We've got a lot of backup plans. I've had to spend a lot more time in working on communications than we've ever thought we'd have, than I ever thought I'd have to do uh, communicating to exhibitors and stakeholders and staff and partners about what we're doing, what we, might have to do what we're thinking about doing and you know really detailing out exactly what all those options could be if this is thrown at us here's what we're going to do here's how we can react can't plan for everything but um, we've really learned a great deal about crisis management and what we need to do to try and stay on top yeah we've seen similar things here where COVID just made us think a different way that we hadn't had to think and all of a sudden you you get through it you know, it sucked at the time, but you kind of get through it now a year and a half, two years later, and kind of like, okay, like that, we're a better, we're a better company organization because we had to go through that and deal with those challenges. So 
Um, I'm, I'm sure it sounds like you guys have had similar similar experiences in that regard. Um, and the other question, I, I know it's not specifically in your in your space, um, but you know, you guys obviously do more than just trade shows, right? You have you have your membership and other things that you guys do. Um, and I, I understand there's companies out there, all they do is trade shows. Like that's their whole that's their whole business. You know, you know, you're kind of in that industry. Are you seeing those companies? I mean, they they must have went from revenue to zero revenue essentially, essentially overnight, and that's a that's a long dry spell. Um, are, are those are those companies surviving? Are they are they getting bought up? Are they merging? Did that change anything in that whole world, or have you seen anything? Well, like I said earlier, I mean, it's it's been devastating for the industry. We had a lot of people that um, had some part in trade shows, not even the, just the trade show organizers, but think about all the people that that make their living moving exhibitors in and out on trade show floors or the electricians that that hook them up or um, the staffs that work in catering at at facilities where events are held that's a lot of people that suddenly had absolutely nothing to do and and were taken out of the workforce and now shows are ramping back up and those facilities uh, those contractors, those partners of ours, are are struggling to get people to come back in, and and take those jobs, you know, and 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 get ramped back up. Uh, for a lot of companies that that their business was trade shows and only trade shows, you know, a lot of folks, uh, a lot of companies, back up here, a lot of events are run by, uh, they're either run by associations or by private companies or by uh, media companies. Those are really the, the three primary groups that, that own trade shows. Um, and for a lot of associations, it is their only revenue source, our primary revenue source. So it was very difficult for them. Um, the private companies, um, you know, <laughs> it's been, and you can imagine just kind of losing your entire, your, your entire core business uh, and being put out like that. Uh, they've struggled. You know they've gone and they've and they've tried to make do what they could, shifting to digital, shifting to um, smaller in some cases or more local events, um, where where they could completely contain the audience, you know, and do testing in, testing out those kinds of things or create a little event bubble. Uh, we've seen some of those, but it's been a struggle, and and we're really glad and fortunate to be back in the position where we're looking towards a large scale event again. Yeah, uh, we are too. And I think as you're saying, this is like one of the first really big ones uh, across the whole the whole convention space to open up. And uh, the Utility Expo, is it open to the public? Do you have to be a members? How, who, who can show up at this thing if they want to check things out? Anyone who's interested in the industry can come on out and, and check it out. Uh, you obviously have to register, get a badge so that we know who you are and and uh, and and what you're doing there. Um, but if you're if you're interested in any part of the utility industry, uh, utility construction, we've got a lot of we've got a lot of folks that come out to the show because it's it is so broad. You know, we've got farmers that come out because they can find uh, heavy duty trucks and loaders and equipment that would they wouldn't necessarily see at farm shows. Um, we've got a, a lot of municipalities that come out to uh, to obviously look at at the things that they need um and a whole lot of contractors yeah so if you're if you're if you're looking at buying any big iron in the next year and need to have uh, a place to see it you might just find it at the utility expo yeah i can say i you know this will be my first year coming to utility expo i can say going to some of your other shows 
it's just amazing. You have no idea how many companies exist out there, all the unique pieces of equipment or new ideas and new technology that's out there. It really is for people in our industry. Um, it, it really is a, a well worth spending a couple of days there and, and meeting people and shaking hands now. Hopefully I don't, I don't know if they're shaking hands yet or not, but just being out there to be able to talk and interact with people face to face instead of over camera. Uh, it's going to be a, a huge relief. Um, so, you know, with all that said, if they want to learn more about the Utility Expo or more about AEM, where where do they go? UtilityExpo.com is a great place to start. That'll have everything on the show. AEM.com has the full the full uh, organization information, everything you could possibly want to know there. And hopefully I'll see everybody at the uh, show in Louisville 60 days out. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great event. Uh, hopefully a lot of our listeners and viewers are going to be out there watching it and everything. So, again, thank you for coming on the show, talking a little bit about it. I, I know it's been an ugly two years. I'm sure you guys are excited to get back to the, the way it was. And I think a lot of vendors and customers are, are in that same boat. So, you know, with all that said, we're going to wrap it up. We'll call it an episode. And as we end episode, it's just not diagnostics. It's diagnostics done right. Go find your right tools, your right equipment that you need for your business. And a great place to do that is at the Utility Expo. So thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. Mm -hmm.